This message by Mike Bollinger was recorded at the Relational Mission Church Planting Conference 2015 in Berkel, the Netherlands. Okay, let's uh, welcome Mike Bollinger up. Mike. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Mike Bollinger. I am uh, an elder at Lowestoft Community Church and also just have the privilege of serving um, in the Relational Mission Churches just to help to develop and raise up and equip the churches in the prophetic. Um, just before I begin what we want to talk about this morning, I just wanted to take an opportunity just to introduce someone that I brought with me. Um, Kevin AC, will you just stand there and give a wave? Kevin, back corner. <laughs> Kevin is from um, Helena, Montana, USA, and he and his wife... Yeah, he and his wife uh, came over about a week ago just to visit us. I invited Kevin to be a part of it, us here this weekend. Kevin and I have been longtime friends, and we ministered together both uh, prophetically and, and as church. We, we served on an eldership team together in Helena, Montana. We also had the privilege of, of being under and learning from Keith Hazel. Uh, he was... Keith is, is our spiritual father in, in that regard and just really thankful for that. But, but there's also a bigger story to this that, that really fits into what I want to say this morning. And in 2003, we felt like God uh, led us to move from Helena, Montana to England. My wife is from England. And we moved to Sheffield. And about three or four months once we moved, um, Keith Hazel and another prophet were there for a prophetic gathering in our, in our church. And we were, and Ruth and I sat and we received prophetic ministry. And, and at that time, Keith prophesied about, I wasn't going to do this. Um, Keith prophesied about uh, prophetic training and actually equipping people in the prophetic and equipping people not only just face-to-face but over the Internet using Skype and all that stuff, which, which 12 years ago there wasn't lots of that. But he also said that, that Kevin was coming over to, um, to, to minister and to, to run alongside what we're doing here. Now, that was 12 years ago. And at that moment, that, the context just didn't seem to fit in that moment. But it was just in this last year that all of a sudden, just we, we were visiting in June and just got a chance to go down and visit Helena where we were again and just had a, a precious weekend with Kevin and Laurel. And just, um, God just, the prophetic word just came back. And I hadn't told Kevin about this word until that time. I just said, you know, God spoke about you coming and being and working together. And, and doors have just opened up in relation again and so forth, which has just been just really good. So I just, it's really important to know that when we have a prophetic word, there are many times seasons that it's not an instant cup of word. There's time, there's seasons that for it to come about. I also want to introduce some mothers that are serving alongside with us here. I want to introduce Ian Ormisher from Cambridge. Uh, these are just some folks that are serving alongside prophetically what we're doing with, in the sessions. I want to commend them to you. Also, John Putman from Stowmarket. And, and the infamous Andy Moyle from Kingsland. As well as Greg and Angela Cam as well. And, and there'll be others. But I just wanted to commend these to you. It's important that we know who is ministering among us. And so that when people come and minister together prophetically, it's good to know who these people are and, where they're, and where, where they're from, so to speak. 
But Angela and I felt, just as we are in this, this time of, of church plan, the church planning conference, we're having some sessions where there's some very specific prophetic ministry. We felt it was important for us to bring some teaching, to bring good culture, and to scrub the foundation stones, and to lay some fresh foundation stones about how do we handle the prophetic. What do you do once you have a prophetic word? I was fortunate to grow up in a time when there was a lot of prophetic ministry in and to the local church that we were part of. It was a time, this is probably in the, the early 80s, late 70s, where there was, it was sort of a transition where there was some traveling prophets, that there weren't lots of mature prophetic ministry like we would have had seen in Keith around here all the time. There was only a handful of them. And they would, they would gather together in teams. But at the same time, there was also, Keith had a real heart to see homegrown prophetic gifting emerge within the local church. The, the idea of it then is it has the DNA of the churches, of our own church and our own heart. So there were teams that, um, that traveled together, and it was a team ministry, and there was mature as well as young lions working together. And they would be invited into a church for, as a prophetic gathering. And now the church would prepare ahead of time with some prayer, some, some, maybe some fasting time, just really seeking God. There was some teaching like I'm going to give today about how do we receive a prophetic word so that when the prophetic ministry came into the local church, the church was ready to receive and the candidates were ready to receive. And so it was a team of prophets and young, young prophetic ministry. And the important thing of that was that it gave confirmation. Many times there were similar things that were heard and it gave a confirmation like we know that the, the two or three witnesses about the prophetic is important to confirm a word. But there was also the great thing that as we start hearing God together, they'd be stealing each other's words. So you wanted to make sure you, you got up there first so that you didn't steal what the other person had. And there was great mentoring. That's the lovely thing about when you get the, the, the culture of iron sharpening iron that, that um, Keith would notoriously, if we're one of those young lions, he'd say, all right, you're up next. And, and you kind of have to step out and trust God in those things. But those are the areas where we grow and are stretched. And so, but also, too, just the great opportunity for him to say, just come along and just sit and listen and see what God just speaks to your heart while there is prophetic ministry going on. And in the midst of these prophetic gatherings, there would be elders that we present. It's in, the, in front of the, the whole church. The elders and, and other uh, leaders, elders, apostolic leadership will also be there. And they would, what would happen is they would present to the, the, the prophetic team people from their church that were either people that maybe had, were emerging leaders, were young couples, individuals, people who were, those who were kind of needing some, some direction in their life. And it was a, a time, like, like Paul talks about Timothy, of, of imparting gifts, of stirring things, imparting vision. But because it was also shared together, there were times that when somebody receives a prophetic word, like a teacup, there's a saucer that it spills over to the saucer. There's times that when you hear a prophetic word, that you say, you know, that really speaks to my heart as well. So that when we hear the prophetic, God can also speak to our heart in it as well. And so there was prophetic ministry was submitted to the local eldership and to the apostolic and, and, and government leaders. And there was, there was kind of a mutual submission. Well, there was a submitting to the prophetic, what was being shared, 
the prophetic ministry also submitted to the elders and the leaders that were there. So there might be a sense that they might feel someone has a, has a, a, a calling for eldership or something, but there would be a, a kind of a discussion, kind of a huddle and a discussion about that. There isn't just a license to say whatever is said and let, let everyone else sort of mop up about it. There's sort of a mutual sort of sharing together and, and, and accountability for those sort of things. And so it was a great opportunity to demonstrate the prophetic to the whole body. And so we wanted to model that this morning. So can I just ask Kevin and Ian to come on up? So what we would do is we'd have a, a prophetic team that would gather in a local church. You could be the local church this morning. Welcome to our church. This, uh, and so they, what we'd have, the prophetic team would sort of be waiting for the next candidate to come up that the elders and the leaders would bring forward. And so they would just bring out a couple. So we've randomly chosen from, from randomness here. Um, would you guys come up and sit? No. To be fair, usually we would warn them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And so then we just ask the church, just reach out your hands and let's just pray and ask God to. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I see you guys like a link in a chain. I see that there, a, a link is a singular piece. It's together. It's linked. And I just see the two of you, just an incredible team together. There's real teammanship that you guys have been better together than you ever were apart. And there's a real synergy. It's like the idea of, of a horse can pull more. Two horses together can pull more than individually. I just really see you guys teaming together. I see there re, really being a teaming of relationship building together. And I see you guys being linked into a chain and giving strength. And I, but I also see this chain also has other links to it. And I just believe God's just going to connect you with some people around where you live. I just believe there's a real connecting and a gathering. I see, I see you having a small group in your home, and I just see you gathering people together. Brother, there's a real heart and hunger for the Word of God. People need to know the Word of God. People need to know how to be instructed in the biblical teaching. And, and, and so this is just a real time when God has linked you guys uniquely together. I see you being linked to a team and really serving and relationship building, but also discipleship. Sister, you're, you're, you're a real firecracker. I just, I just see that, that there's just a real exuberance about you. I just see you coming into a room and just bringing joy. Barnabas was the son of encouragement. I believe that you're a daughter of encouragement. That, that when people have conversations around you, they're just encouraged and lifted up. So I believe this is just a time when God is just going to cause you to be linked together with, with a, a, a bigger chain. I see you being a, a contributing strength to, to, to a team, but also just see you, there's other chains being linked into it. I just see you being able to gather into a community, gather into a business area to see, brother, there's some business sort of things that to, to gather just relationally. And I just see you being, um, being really industrial in, in the workplace and in business that's going to equip you and release you to be a part of the greater things you want to do and just seeing the kingdom expanded. 
I just believe there's a real, there's a real word of God in the, both of you. There's a real rich deposit, a rich heritage of the, of, of the word of God from a real Christian heritage that you have. But I believe God just wants to supernaturally just fill you even more afresh with his spirit. I just see you guys just having powerhouses in your, in your home. I just see it not only just being a time of word, but just seeing people healed. I just, and seeing people just filled with joy. I just, this almost like you recommend a medication to someone to feel better. I just see you guys praying for people and them just feeling excited and exuberant about what's that? That's, that's the Holy Spirit. And just being encouraged and strengthened in those things. In Matthew chapter 4, it says, uh, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon and Peter and his brother, or Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and brother John, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So um, that's the scripture that I thought of when I was uh, um, considering uh, praying for you guys. Um, I just really believe that uh, that there's a there's a real evangelistic. Um, uh, Mike used the word synergy. There's an evangelistic synergy. I believe, uh, brother, that your heart really beats for the for the lost, really beats uh, for the unsaved. Kind of there's a there's a, just a real softness there. Um, earlier today, when I looked across the room and I, I saw you, you're obviously a big, a big boy, a big bloke, right? Um, and and so I thought of the word power, but then I, I kind of giggled because I think this one here, like Mike said, a firecracker. More, yeah. There's a power here. There's a powerhouse. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's just a drive in a fire that comes out of this wee one. And um, sometimes you have to kind of say, wait, 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 wait. Let's, let's just, no, let's give him a little, one more chance, one more chance. Because there's a mercy. God has given you a mercy gift, brother. And you don't give up on people easily. And in fact, I, I see that there's people in your life that you're hanging on to that everybody else around you would counsel you uh, if you were to listen. And they would counsel you to, to say, just let him go. Just let him go. You know, uh, let, let God have him. And, and you know what? If they're to be saved, then he'll save them. But you say, no, 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 no. They're to be saved. They're to be saved because God put them in my heart. And God wouldn't put somebody in my heart if they weren't to be saved. And, and so, uh, like Mike said, there's such a team thing going on here. There's power. Uh, there's mercy. Um, there's uh, um, a, a just a real desire to see the kingdom extended and lives changed. I'm excited uh, that Mike uh, talked about healing. Um, I, I really think that, that uh, guys, you know, Paul says that I long to come to you so that I might impart some spiritual gift. And part of the process sometimes with presbytery is we get the opportunity to, to kind of participate with God in that and agree with him. And so I, I, I just agree with God right now. And, and maybe the, uh, the congregation can just extend your hands again because I believe that God wants to impart a spiritual gift of healing. Um, where it's not a light thing, is it? You don't just wander around with uh, white pants and white shirt and white shoes on um, and hoping somebody's going to notice you as you uh, blow on people and have them fall over. And I, I don't mean to offend anybody, but that's not, the, that's not the gift that God's giving you. God's giving you the gift that when there's, when there's somebody that's hurting 
when there's somebody that's weeping, when there's somebody that just can't get over the, the hump, there's somebody that just can't get over that block again, you're going to be able to lay hands on them and, 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 and pray a prophetic prayer, pray a prayer of wisdom and insight and revelation and power that's going to enable them to move forward from where they're at, where they're stuck. And uh, so, Father, we, we ask God for that impartation. We ask God that you would come and that you would pour that oil of anointing over them, causing uh, that this, this healing anointing to, to be um, broadcast into the community and extending the kingdom. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you, God, for that. So um, I also wanted to just say, brother, I, I believe that there's a real cry in you to hear the voice of God more clearly. Um, to, um, sometimes I think you, 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 you hear it. Uh, and but you don't quite know how to articulate it. I believe that God's going to visit you. He's going to increase that in you. He's going to give you a better vocabulary. Um, it's going to require some reading. Uh, it's going to require a bit of uh, activity and some participation on your part. But God says, I'm going to meet you in that. I'm going to give you the words to speak what it is that I've, I've uh, placed in your heart. Uh, you're going to see times of uh, real fruitfulness when it comes to evangelism and reaching the lost. Amen. I also saw of uh, you. I, I can't see your name, James. Yeah. So uh, I, I saw of you uh, like a piece of dove, and I believe that God set you as a man of peace, uh, but also that peace is a weapon. Uh, it disarms the enemy, and I believe that God's going to send you into the darkness uh, in a way that's going to enable you to open up opportunities that other people won't be able to open because you'll go in with peace, whereas other people will go in with aggression or the wrong emotions. Uh, and as you do that, you'll be able to see other people of peace as well. You'll recognize them because of the peace that, that rests upon you. And as you do that, the kingdom of God will be extended. And I see, you know, the partnership of peace and of joy. And then there's righteousness. And that's the kingdom of God. And that's what you're going to be taking with you as a partnership. That peace and that joy and the righteousness of God will be extending the kingdom of God. And that's what he's calling you to do. So, Father, we just want to pray for this couple. I just thank you for the words you've spoken to them. Pray that they would encourage them and strengthen them and empower them to do the work you call them to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, one of the reasons that we wanted to model that is because we believe as a group of churches that in this next season we want to see prophetic teams in the local churches releasing prophetic gifting that's public, that's weighed. So if they, those people were part of your local church, you would, you would know them, you'd know some of those things that were being said, and there's a, there's a real drawing to what, um, what's being said. And also, it's a great way to be able to demonstrate and to model good prophetic culture in our churches. But our mistake, I have to admit, that ha- having grown up in that culture, our mistake that in those days, we, did, we had a lot of prophetic words that stacked up like books on our shelves. There was no, to be honest with you, we were a very strong group of churches with Keith sort of leading the group of churches. You had a very strong prophetic church, but there wasn't very much apostolic action taken to the prophetic. There were buildings spoken about that were not explored. There were gifts imparted but not stirred. You know, they were shaken but not stirred. There were things spoken that didn't line up right now, so that mustn't be God. And we want, I wanted to start off, Just I'm going to talk briefly before Angela just comes and shares a little bit as well, but I want to start off with two simple questions. Have you received a prophetic word? 
And if you haven't, then you're in a great opportunity because during the sessions this time, in each of the seminars, we want to minister to those that are in the seminar. We want to believe to have each person to come away with a prophetic word. So have you received a prophetic word? But the second thing is what have you done with it? Well, you might ask, well, what do you do with it? You know, is God just going to do it? Is it like a a magic moment where it's like a la peanut butter sandwiches, boom, all done, the church is planted, the neighborhoods are saved, your spouse is acquired? What is my part? What's God's part? What if nothing happens? What if the opposite happens? Can I miss the moment of a prophetic word? How do I get the most apostolic momentum out of a prophetic word? Keith Hazel's greatest delight in being amongst us as a group of churches was that he was among people who he prophesied over and they actively sought to step into what they heard in faith. He'd be saying, man, you go and you prophesy and you come back the next time and they've done something. And you might think, well, of course. But actually, if you're in a group of people that all you're doing is prophesying and collecting words and not doing anything with it, then there's all that apostolic application that's just missed by what God is saying. And we become overdosed on the prophetic and underachieving in our apostolic application, the mission of what we do with it. So Angela and I felt that it was important to to teach really practically how do we handle a prophetic word that we received. So I'm going to give you some practical steps. Some of these things you're going to say, Mike, I already know this. Consider it like if there was foundation stones. You come and you scrub them clean. You make sure they're clearly defined. For some, we can't assume that, yeah, everyone knew that before, that anyone new that's coming in amongst us will have that same culture. So we want to make it really clear. So you receive a a prophetic word. We're going to record them. So you're going to have them on a recording. Or you might have a recording. Number one, write it out. Of course, Mike. But Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk says, I will look out to see what he will say to me. That was a prophetic moment. And God says, write the vision. Make it plain on tablets. See, even then he was talking about iPads. Make it plain on iPads, you know, other brands available, you know. So he may run who reads it. Writing or typing gives another view of a word. You hear it and you see it. Because many times, I don't know about you, but you receive a prophetic word and all of a sudden a word is said or something that just triggers an emotion and you're gone for the rest of the word. It's like... And they're talking on about four other sentences. Then you catch up. And so God wants to say, you know, so, so there's, there's this point where you miss so much. And we're struck by something. And so coming back and writing it, we get to see the full measure of what is being said. So practical step number one, write it out. Write it. Secondly, highlight it. There are different elements to a prophetic word. It's not just a bunch of letters and numbers and exclamation marks. One of the things, again, really practically, use a, a regular highlighter. Or I actually have an app on my, on my iPad called Notability. And so I bring it in and actually I can digitally highlight the word right on my iPad. So you can say that's nice, Mike. <laughs> 
But I just want to suggest three sort of elements of a prophetic word. And I'm going to designate three colors. They're not sacred. You could use your own colors. Other color coding available. Okay. But the first of all, I want to suggest the first thing we want to look at is what truths is what truths are God saying about us? So I'm going to highlight in green, what is God saying about me? Those are truths that I need to line up to. When he said to Gideon, O mighty man of God, it wasn't a negotiation. It was something, it was an encouragement, it was a truth. Things like, I'm your peace. You are my child. So I'm just highlighting the things that God says about me. And I must line up to how God sees me and his truth. Second thing, I'm going to suggest Amber is for, for conditions that I have a responsibility for. What's my part? If my people will humble themselves, then I will. So that, that it's steps that I can take. We look and say, God, what's my part in this? And it's not like you should do this and then I'm going to bless you. But suppose it says, I just really see a real um, favor, or I really see a, a real ability to be able to, to pick up a grace to step into a, a musical instrument. So my part is that I just pray about what instrument and step into that grace. Or if it says, I just see you going to another country, my part is, is your passport up to date? Right? Or if there's something about, I just see you in a language... Sign up for a course. Step in. What's my part? We, there, there are things that when you look at it, there's times God says, I just believe God wants you to really press into Him. And there's going to be a real time of real intimacy with Him. My part is to step into God. We can't stand on the promises of what He's going to do if we're not going to step into the things He asks of us to do as well. And there's things that are bigger than ourselves. And one of the things that I just, I find in my own life, that even though being prophetic and hearing God, that sort of things, is, is today's steps are the keys to the doors for tomorrow. So I had a situation moving to Montana, is I was in Canada, and I ended up, just to, to make a long story short, I ended up getting a teaching degree as a drama major, but it was a post-secondary degree, and then right away, I just ended up working in a computer company for 10 years. And then the door opened for us, to, just by circumstances, I enjoyed computers and a job opened up, I stepped into that job. And then when it came to getting a visa in the United States, which is kind of a big thing at times, that a job opened up and, and I said, God, call your intercessors, I've got to get a visa. And he says, it's done. And I went there and it required a post-secondary degree and 10 years of computer, knowledge, of computer skill. And it unlocked the door. So the steps we take today are the keys for the doors for tomorrow. Sometimes a good idea is a God idea. And we just have to take... So God, this is not only getting a prophetic word, but equally God speaking to us as well. So green is things God says about us. Amber are the things that are responsibility. What's my part? And red are the things that God says He will do. God is going to kind of stuff. And those are promises you can pray with. In Timothy, he says, you know, the prophecies previously made that you may wage the good warfare. There's good warfare and there's bad warfare. Sometimes it's enforcing the good when bad is happening. Um, Kevin's brother, Brian, when we, were, when we were part of the eldership team, the thing I loved about Brian is his prayers were like this. God, you said. 
that we were going to have a church that's twice the size for half the money. God, we just stand on your word. That was what was a prophetic word. So whatever God has promised, when it's read, it's like God's going to do. God's going to pour out His presence on you. You can't produce that. But God, you said you were going to pour out. You're going to pour out on us a blessing, and we just repeat back to Him what He has said. Now, again, there's nothing sacred about these colors that I've chosen. But just as an example, if you go to the next page, this here is uh, just a word for Julian, from Julian Adams for, for uh, Mike Betts. So I just did this sort of similar thing with Mike, just highlighted there. You sort of see some greens. Um, so top, top highlight there. And the Lord says, don't be afraid to be like Jonathan, who, who ate honey from the tree. So just the idea of this idea of not being afraid. Was, his, was something God said about him. And then the multitude of the, of the miraculous is going to flow as an authenticating marker. You can't do anything about multiplying the miraculous other than praying and asking God to do that. So if you go to the next slide, when you step back from a word, you can see a lot of red there, can't you? So it really points that when we're looking, saying, what do I need to do? Is there things I need to do? But a lot of that, when we were looking at that word, there was a lot of things that just God said He was going to do. So it ended up becoming a real source of prayer for that prophetic word. And when there's things we go, well, God just has to do it, then we can get behind it and pray. So practical step number two, we're going to, we're going to highlight it. So we're going to write it, we're going to highlight it, and number three, we're going to weigh it. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11 says this, For as the rain and the snow comes down from heaven and does not return there but waters the earth, bringing it, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish what I have purposed and shall succeed in the things for which I sent it. The word succeed here means to push forward. When a word is released from the mouth of God, there's a weight that's released from heaven that pushes it forward. And the word that's translated for most of the word prophecy in the Old Testament literally means a burden or a weight. And we also know in the New Testament, Paul taught the church in Corinth to, to hear what, needs, what we hear from God needs to be judged. He said two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. We know that to be true. So when, when we hear a prophetic word, the question it to ask is, how much weight of heaven is behind the word? So if you look at the analogy, if I can, just for a second, I'm putting two hands like a scale, the traditional sort of scale that's got two weights on either side. Okay, let's suppose I put the prophetic word on one side of that scale. And then usually used to put a number of weights on the right-hand side to determine the weight of that. So what are some of the elements that I use to weigh a prophetic word? How do, what criteria do I use to weigh a prophetic word? And again... This applies to not only when we're receiving a prophetic word, but it also applies that when we're, God speaks to us something in a journal and, and, or somebody comes to us with a prophetic word as a leader and say, well, what do we do with this? Well, here's some things you can weigh. First of all, a prophetic word must be judged by the written word of God. The Bible is the final authority of God's voice to us. 
Acts 17.11 talks about the Bereans we know about. Receive the word with eagerness, examining the scripture daily to see if these things were so. So there was eagerness to receive, but there was examination as well. What we hear prophetically cannot contradict the word of God. Exodus 18 verse 2, this is a true story. Um, A gentleman read this and it said, Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after Moses had sent her home. And a guy thought that this was God speaking to him to leave his wife. And we know that that doesn't line up with the Word of God. It's in the Bible that Moses sent, but that doesn't match with the full counsel of the Word of God. Don't try this at home. The Bible is the final authority of God. Secondly, hearing must be judged by the Spirit of God. God has given us the Holy Spirit to help us to discern what truth is. He says He will guide you in all the truth. Really practically, you know when you hear some a prophetic word or hear something and there's just like a ding, ding, ding that goes in your heart? It's just like a, yeah, that, that's really, really, that rings really true in my heart. But then there's other times when you hear a word and it just doesn't sound right and there's more like a, er, like a, er, in your, just like a, just like a, er, just like that. It's like a clash of your own hearts without sound effects. Most of the time, it's because there's something that's not witnessing with our own spirit about that word. There's parts of it that sound about right, but there's just something that's not quite right. So let me give you an example. So if if a word was something like this, while this seems like a time when it's not much going on around you on the outside, God's stirring in your heart a real passion for His presence and prayer to seek Him for His heart for the next season. Yeah, that, you know, there's like a... There's something that kind of goes ding, ding. There's a sort of a, yeah, that, that, that bears witness, or particularly if that's applicable for that person. But then if, if somebody has, maybe they're journaling this or somebody speaks this, um, God's speaking to them maybe in a prayer time, you're special to me. I wish you only to myself. You don't need other people. Others do not understand you as I do. I am all you need. Er. <laughs> or... Very soon, your leaders are going to recognize your gifting and great promotion is coming to you soon. <laughs> There's that spill. I received that one. <laughs> That's a... There's a... There's just something... By, by the Holy Spirit, there's just a sense... That there's something's just not quite right with that. And many times when we're teaching people to hear God's voice and we recommend using a journal, and that's why we recommend them having somebody that they share what they're hearing with a trusted leader and somebody. Because you'll find at different times, I was teaching my son one time about this and he was going through and, and, and hearing God and sometimes, and then he started getting these things about, and that girl, she's going to notice you and you're going to go out pretty soon. And, and you could tell there's, a, there's just a slight adjustment. That sounded good at the beginning, but then that girl part was just going <laughs> to... He ran with that one. But so... <laughs> So hearing must be judged by the Spirit of the Lord. Thirdly, a prophetic word must be weighed by considering what's in the heart of the person giving the word. Sometimes words can flow out of bitterness or rejection or frustration in a person's heart. 
Or we might be in a situation where somebody is sharing something that they hear and it feels like there's frustration in what they're speaking. You don't hear a clear sound, but you hear words of frustration. Keith used to use this illustration. He talked about a a water pipe. If, If water is being pumped through a clean pipe, you get clean water. But if clean water, if there's dirt and other contaminants in the pipe, this will affect the quality of the water. So what we mean by that is that character and charismatic gifts must go together. There's no license to be weird and flaky and without character and be prophetic. It's not a license to say, well, they're just prophetic because they're like out there and they don't have to... A lot of times, one of the things when we're gathering our prophetic folks together, I'm realizing more and more that it's not an issue of gifting, but it's an issue of commitment, confidence, and character. And so in addition to teaching them about how to hear God, we're teaching saying, now what's going on in your heart as well? You can hear words from people that some of it seems good, but it's tainted with something else. So we want a culture where prophetic gifting is expressed out of strong character. And fourthly, prophetic words and what we hear must be weighed by having them weighed by others. 1 Corinthians 14, he says that two or three prophets should weigh the word. Now, obviously, the, the, the word there implies that, that it's prophets that should weigh a word. But I'd suggest that actually, as we are hearing God and actually we have prophetic words and so forth, working with our elders, we're looking for people that we're sharing our, our, what we're hearing from God, people that love God, love His word, and love you. So that could be a small group leader. That could be an elder in the church. And just that sort of partnership of just bouncing off what we're hearing. It's important that by others hearing what, we're, what, what God's spoken to us, it just adds an amen to what God is saying. And it's just another weight that, that um, adds value, adds um, the weighing of, of the word. So we need to weigh and test prophetic words. So we're going to write it. We're going to highlight it. We're going to weigh it. And lastly, here in this part, we're going to share it with counsel. And again, this probably is a little bit linked to what we previously had. It's important of hearing words together. Now, um, Kevin, Kevin and I were, were together. Our wives and I were, the, the two of us, our wives, the four of us. <laughs> four, three, Spanish Inquisition. The three, the four. <laughs> Kevin and I and our wives were away at a at a prophetic kind of gathering. And there was a time when there was some prophetic ministry and, and we, we asked to be present when the, when the word was given to, to Kevin's wife, obviously. And um, in the midst of that, the way that the person spoke and some of the words that they spoke hit some filters of insecurity in her own heart. There were some things that were said really, really well and there's times that when you're saying things that are really right on, but if you're the only one saying it and they're the only one hearing it, then what you're saying is hitting the filters of where they are at that moment. And actually, she came away quite distraught. We said, how did you think about that? And she burst into tears. Because all that she heard was something that touched something of her past and missed all the other things. So we were there to say, no, that's not what that said. Did you hear that? Oh, no, I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that as well. So it was important to be able to hear, have somebody alongside. So one of the things that we say, a language that we use is, we encourage prophetic people to have no parking lot prophecies. That's a a North American term. 
But the idea being, there are times when we are ministering to each other and we're giving a word out of relationship and so forth. But if I'm just not sure and maybe I'll just take that couple aside or that person aside and share it privately later on, I want to encourage you that it's important that even us that, that have had some more experience in the prophetic, for their benefit of the person receiving and us, we try to take somebody along with us to be just a witness to hear that. And I think that's one of the things that just makes for healthy sharing because it, it gives opportunity for it to be heard correctly and understood correctly. And sharing a word, I want to encourage you, if you receive a prophetic word, in sharing it with our leaders or our mentors is a great growing opportunity. It removes the lenses and the filters we listen through. And it allows us to not be offended by God's adjustments in the word. We, can, we can't just take all the fun parts and, and miss some of the challenging parts. And it's embracing the challenge. And so lastly here, is that there's times when... So th- that's just some of the things that we can do very practically. Just before Angela comes, I just wanted to touch into an area that there's different seasons of a prophetic word. And I'm just going to be really brief. There's lots more. We can make a whole message of this. We tend to interpret a prophetic word on our situation now. So my very, very first presbytery, they call it presbytery because he talks about don't neglect the gift, the word that was given to you by the laying on of hands by the presbyters or the body of elders. And so um, my very first one, there was a brother, he's kind of old, older English, says, yea, verily, brother, the Lord would say, don't, don't just dip your toe in the water, but yea, verily, jump in with both feet. And I thought that was about a girlfriend. I was young. But we can take everything that's said and try to make it fit with where we are now. Or even it might fit now, but it's not the fullness of what God wanted for that. So many times when it doesn't quite fit, we put it on the shelf and wait until it does make sense. And there's been a couple of times, again, we, we, were, we had some prophetic ministry around our wedding, and, and during our wedding ceremony, had some prophetic, and one of the guys said this, God's going to drive you like a stake into some hard ground. Like, Thank you. <laughs> the heart of it was that you're going to find yourself in a difficult place, but God's going to have you driven there. You're not going to be moved. You're not going to be shaken by that situation. So on a wedding day, you kind of shelf that one. And... <laughs> And then what happens is, I don't know if you've had this, but a few years later, like the situation with Kevin, is all of a sudden you're in a situation and there's this whoosh, the prophetic word comes back to you. And you go, God, this is that moment that you were speaking about. And you realize that there is a season to that. But we must look for confirmation before acting upon a single word. When we act in faith on our part to weigh, pray, and act upon the prophetic word, God will faithfully bring it to pass in His timing. Now, can we miss a prophetic moment for a word? And I think, I, first of all, I want to say, I believe everyone's heart is to say, God, whatever you speak to us, we want to do everything we can to see that fulfilled. But we also know that God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, and then he completely went the opposite way to Tarshish. So, so our choices can affect a prophetic word. And that's why we need to have counsel around what God has spoken to us. 
We also know in Numbers that God says, I'm sending, um, spy out this land of Canaan, which I've given to you. God spoke, I'm going to have the land. You're going to have this land. But then we know that ten spies went in and said, we're like grasshoppers to them. And two said, we can do this. So they came to the border and they said, let's go in. That was the moment. But they chose not to. That was their part. And 40 years they were back the border, which speaks of the grace of God. So Jeremy Hazel gives this sort of picture of that, is that a train, you know that a train is coming. That's like a prophetic word. But if we're not at the station for whatever reason, you can miss the train, but the grace of God is that that we can believe that there's another train coming. And Jonah It's interesting that that when Jonah was in that situation, it says, just my last thought here, in Jonah 2.1, just for your notes, Jonah prayed to the Lord from the belly of the fish. And it says in verse 10, I love this, and the Lord spoke to the fish. He spoke to his circumstances. God spoke where he was. And then it says in verse chapter 3, a new chapter in Jonah's life, then the word of the Lord came a second time. And sometimes, it's kind of like when you've got the GPS, I love the sat-nav, you know, where it says your destination is that way somewhere, and all of a sudden, you turn left and it goes, autocorrect, 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 and you know you might, whatever for whatever reason, you end up swerving slightly in a different direction to what the prophetic is. God in His grace is recalculating as we're following Him to bring us back to that path. So I just, I just have a sense, um, just my last thought is, if you're here and you have a prophetic word that you feel like is just dead, you feel like it's lost, you feel as though it just not come about, I just want to encourage you that the word of the Lord comes a second time to bring strength and believe God's just going to bring confirmation to those things. And so Angela's just going to come up and share a little bit about part of the prophetic Paul talks about is waging a good war with the words given. So I'm going to hand it over to Angela. I think we have to remember that we're in a war. And every single word that gets spoken to us or anything that comes our way will be challenged by the enemy. And I think coming from Africa, we are very aware of warfare. It's in your face, very in your face. But coming to the West, it's a bit more hidden. And I think we need to speak much more about war, not concentrate on the enemy, but to recognize there's a war and then look to God and say, please help, please help. I'm so aware of this. And so when one wages war, so somebody gives you a word and it's wonderful. And you are in the honeymoon period of it. And then a week later you wake up and everything goes wrong. And the very opposite of what you've been told actually starts to happen. I think of David anointed as king when he was a youngster. He's going to be king. And the next minute he's on the run for years and years. And you think, what is this? But you know, Psalm 18 says, 
that uh, David says about himself, my God trains my arm for battle. With my God, I can, you know, bend a bow of bronze and so on. Because in the fulfillment of the word given to David, the anointing, he had to run for training. And sometimes the very word we're getting is actually so big and much bigger than our little minds can even take that actually God allows a period of training in it so that we can actually inherit the big promise that comes in a prophetic word. And when we get the word, it's about mixing it with faith. So often people get a word and they sit at home and they wait. I have a friend who has a book about two inches thick without exaggeration of prophecies and she's very pleased with her book of prophecies that she is added to and it's quite scary it's quite dangerous it is quite awful and so it's a matter of getting a word mixing it with faith so that when the enemy comes and he will did God really say when everything doesn't seem to line up like that it's to mix it with faith and say, Lord, you said, I'm going to believe this. I'm, I'm really going to believe it. And Numbers 23 verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie. It's one of my favorite, favorite verses. Um, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? If I get something, I want it. This is the, I want it. And I get quite desperate for what God is saying because it's about the kingdom it's bigger than me when it's a word it's for me but it's about helping others one anothering it's a you know it's a big thing it's the kingdom I want to see the kingdom advance so any word that comes my way give it to me I will I get hold of God and I say I'm going to pull on that robe until you bring it about it's that kind of of war, so often we just give in because well, it's not happening. And life is tough. It's what Steph said last night. You know, life is tough. And I come across, I pray for many people, and life is tough. And we've got to teach people to actually be able to stand up and fight, fight a good fight. Um, what's the other one? Isaiah 60 verse 22. In its time, I will hasten it. Isn't that brilliant? In its time, I will hasten it, says the Lord. So it's all about the timing and not giving up. And I heard somebody speak and say, the darkest time comes a moment before breakthrough. And the darkest time, Christians give up. But it comes a moment before breakthrough. And it's to actually get people to hang in there and get hold of God. So the timing is important, but it's also doing business with God, getting hold of Him, um, being in peak condition with Him, and speaking it through with others and letting people pray with you, but also saying to the, to the enemy, enough of you. I don't think we speak enough to him and say, enough of you. Now, Lord, strengthen my arm. Now, Lord, strengthen my arm. Ezekiel um, 3 verse 11, Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11. God makes everything beautiful in his time. 
I think God has just shouted these verses over us. It's about the timing. And uh, I've had people come to me and say, well, I got a, a, a prophecy five years ago and nothing's happened. So I'm so discouraged. I'm leaving my church because so and so. And it's, it's serious. People think like that. And we've got to really impress on people that there's a training period sometimes that God is allowing. And sometimes the prophecies are so big that there's this training period, but also there are the instant prophecies. And um, Matthew 17, verse 27. So Jesus says to Peter, they say to Peter, uh, don't, you, don't you people pay tax? And Jesus says to Peter, um, go and catch the first fish. And there's a shekel in his mouth and pay. Don't you love that? Do you know, I would love us as Christians to get back to the supernatural of things happening. I come from uh, um, having done a work in South Africa where the supernatural, if the supernatural didn't happen for me, I would have had it. And seeing so much supernatural happen, and I mean, it was crazy stuff. But being desperate for God... And desperate to help people. Um, I just believed the crazies. And God did it. Now go. Go and do. Go and ask. Go to the government and get into the offices and I will give you. And you think, you know, we really need to get hold of God and say, Lord, give me big ones. Give me big supernatural ones. It's nice to get ones for me. But, it's, but you know, sometimes... Let's get for a bigger picture. Let's get for a nation. Let's get for our church. Let's get for others. Father, I want to ask for something supernatural to happen in our minds. Lord, our, our inheritance is the supernatural. To do things that nobody else can do. Father, we want to be able to fish and find a coin in the fish's mouth. We want the most supernatural things to happen because that is who we are. That is our right and our inheritance. And I ask for that for us, Father, in the name of Jesus. Something else people say to me is, well, I got a word from somebody and I went and I tried it, but it flopped. And, um, you know, I'm just so discouraged. I'm not going to listen to another prophetic word. It's a bit making our own Ishmael's. We don't want Ishmael's. And so uh, a word comes and it takes a bit, a bit long. And so we think, well, I'd better go and do it. God said I must, therefore now let me go. And we do it within our own strength, in our own way. Um, as if God is sitting in heaven, he gives us a word. And he says, now I'm going to watch to see how you get on with it. I want to watch you do it. It's not like that at all. It is, he gives a word and he says, now come to me. So I would take a word and say, Lord, you said, now what must I do? Tell me what, tell me what to do. And that's my famous line. I'm here, Lord, what must I do? What must I do? Because he's the boss. We've died, actually. We don't belong to ourselves. He bought us at a price. He's the boss. He lives in us to willing to do of his good pleasure. And so he speaks a word, but then he wants us to come. Now, what do I do? Oh, you want me to do that? Oh, I must go and fish. But I'm so scared, Lord. I don't want to go fish. And it sounds so stupid that there's something in the fish's mouth. 
And so it's not to go and out of one's own uh, arm go and try and do something and then you get so discouraged and you just can't keep on going. But then God comes back and he gives it again and again and again. You know, we've got to recognize my passion is for the small person in the congregation. You know, we have um, people who get microphones and we do the speaking and so on. But you know, it's, about, it's not about big shots. It's about us as the body. It's about as soon as a person is born again, I say to them, now you are going to be able to. And I tell them, you're going to be able to lead people to the Lord. You're going to be able to, to prophesy to a certain measure because we can all hear God in whatever way. And we must train up people from newly born again in how to actually get hold of prophetic things, how to be aware that God is going to speak, whether through the Bible or somebody preaching or through kids even or whatever, but to train up the church because my passion is for the church to be doing the job. Um, It's wonderful to have the prophets uh, prophesy, but they're not always around. Yet we are always in church together. Therefore, it's to actually the one anothering of, of people, to, to make people in our congregation so aware that they are able to do the stuff too. Are you with me? You know, one anothering. Come on, you can do this too. Though, maybe as a prophet, one's got a bigger measure, but each one has got a measure to give away. And um, it's about also not hogging the show to oneself or being legalistic about it and wanting a special criteria. You won't be able to do this unless you are, and you know your list of um, good credentials. Did you read your Bible five times today and so on? Um, It's about people growing into their gifting, growing into their prophetic prophetic gifting, growing into it. so one casts a big net for them and says, you're going to be able to, but then one also protects, comes alongside and protects. But let's give people bigger space to actually prophesy, take a chance. And is that okay? Yeah? I'm very passionate about that. Because I just think it's not the one-man band who's going to advance the kingdom. It's we, the church. It's the church full of war, full of roaring at the enemy um, that will actually change things in our society. It's recognizing gifting in people, uh, especially in the past, but even now I get to see people who actually other people would say are rubbish and wastrels and so on. You know, people come into the church and oh, look at that one. um, But you know, everybody has got gold or diamonds you can hear South Africa gold and diamonds but you don't just get the gold and diamonds you've got to dig and so with diamonds you've got to go through the coal so you get coal on your nose as you actually work through the coal in people to get to the diamonds and for gold you've got to mine quite deeply and it's to, ha- it's to start getting a confidence in people that they are actually able to do things instead of what they can't do or they blew it again but into, but okay, so they did that wrong and they've blown it. But 
I see something in there. It's to ask God for that discernment, prophetic eyes, to see the good in people, not always the negative. So we ourselves have to have prophetic eyes when we look at people, so that we, we need to be miners, mining for the gold and the diamonds that are in people, and it's for the kingdom. It's all about, oh, it's the kingdom. I get passionate for the kingdom because it's about him. It's about making him famous. Yeah, I think I'm going to leave it there. And are we going to have questions or what are we going to do? Yes. Okay. Mike? We've had our best go at trying to lay some foundations and some clarification for handling prophetic. We thought it might be a good opportunity just to open up for questions um, and just anything that what we said in regard to handling the prophetic or, or prophetic words and so forth. That Just before we continue on, any, any questions? This is, this is not a trick question, but it's an honest question. Um, so I listened to a talk of uh, Mike Betts. I think it was New Day 2014. And he talked about the prophetic. And he said, when you get a word, you should make sure you don't exactly do what the word is. So that it's, uh, preferably make it hard for God to make it true so that it's really obvious that it's God. It doesn't quite, not quite the same direction as you're giving. I think what I think the the heart of that is the fact that whatever God speaks something, it's always bigger than ourselves. That within every prophetic is something that requires a little bit more reach than what we have right now. And so, in the midst of it, we we can uh, attempt to. It's sort of like if you've got a healing, you're going to test it to see if God God is healed. You know, and so that that aspect of of when there's a word that um, God speaks that that you can sort of partner with God. The thing I love about the prophetic, it's almost like the grace of God showing us what's ahead when we're partnering with Him. And so if we're sort of testing that or doing this sort of trying something different because of something slightly different to it, to, to just that it has to be God, I think more along, it, it, it's also trying to understand the context of what He was saying. He'll be here, you can ask Him that. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I think the idea of it is, is that a prophetic word is never, you're going to go to this and you're going to buy groceries and then you're going to come home. It's you're going to go to the store, you're going to buy groceries for 10000 and then you're going to come home. So it's always something that requires a little bit more of God than, than, than we have. And so it always is mixed with faith to, to that. So, and the great thing is, is that it's a wide highway when our hearts are right towards God. That actually it's kind of like we were landing at Amsterdam. It was like the plane was sort of going like this, but we landed. Um, even though there were some crosswinds and some things that were coming against it, that our focus was to land. And so our, if our heart's with God, then there can be some slight wobblies and slight recalculations of the GPS, sat-nav, and, but God will bring us to the destination. So, because He's the one that has to do it. A lot of times, He's, he's the one. So. Yeah, I remember when Mike spoke that word. And I, I just think it's about confirmation. Sometimes the words are so big that if we just... Um, go off and do things or whatever uh, we may not have that level of faith but when it's confirmed so if something comes I would ask um, God for confirmation and then you find other people who know nothing 
two or three come and say things without him knowing anything, and then I know. It, I think it's that kind of context. It reminded me of uh, Keith Hazel spoke a word over my wife and I uh, many years ago, um, and I think it was maybe before Mike came or I don't remember quite, but it had to do with uh, church planting and that Laurel and I would be involved with planting churches and that we would be that we'd be going out and coming back and going out and coming back. And um, so we went home and talked about it and talked with our kids about it. And then we came to the next elders meeting and said, we're moving to Great Falls. We're planting a church. And they were all just sitting there looking at us like, really? That's the team? That's what we do? And they said, well, what about your team? What about getting ready? And we said, well, you know, you build a team. We're leaving. We're going we're gonna to go do it. And they, of course, uh, stopped us from doing that. And it was a good thing because God didn't want us to go out and do that. So that wasn't his plan. His plan was to more, we've, we've gone out and helped people that are planting churches, and then we've come home, and then we've gone out, and then we've come back, and then we've gone out, and then we've come back. And so that was God's plan for much later in our lives, but if, if, if we would have been able to do what we, would, what we intended to do without the counsel and the testing and all that sort of stuff, it would have been a, a wreck, right? So. Any other questions just before we... Sebastian. I heard you talking about um, sometimes a word can be for, uh, for in the future, so sometimes you need to wait. But how do you discern if a prophetic word is um, for actually, you know, God says something and you have to go and do it? And how do you discern that it's something that you can put on the shelf and just wait until God gives you the timing to do it? I think of Moses where God says, what's in your hand? So sometimes words speak to things that are in your hand and in your capacity or or you can step into now. Some things just don't fit. Like, you know, the other thing, talking about the now, I, I was prophesying over a couple in Germany, and I said, I just see you guys traveling, and they've never, ever left their village. And and so it, it, it's like that. It it doesn't fit that moment. So that they could put it on the shelf and say that was completely wrong. A lot of times you're putting things on the shelf when there's just you just can't see where to step in faith with it, um, and and just allowing God. We keep praying about it, and keep that sort of thing. Um, I think God speaks into our now. He speaks of our past to confirm, and He'll speaks into our future. And so that's where, as we keep close to Him, then we'll see, He'll He'll bring the the signpost for us to see where to step into those things. When, when it doesn't make sense, we shelve it, keep close to counsel, keep close to, close to God, and then he'll start to see signs of that. And equally, we have to say that not every word is perfect. So there's things that are spoken that you can hold on to, and if it doesn't come to pass, then that might not have been a, a word, because God will confirm words that he's speaking that way. Okay? Any other thoughts there? Okay. Did you want to pray? Yep, that's what I meant. Yep, go for it. Okay, can we stand, please? Now, when we speak about the prophetic, we're really speaking supernatural. This is all about God. It's about hearing Him. And so, Holy Spirit, will you come? This is all about you, Lord. It's all about you. We can't manufacture it. 
um, it's you speaking to us. It's your heart for us and for, for others and for the nations. And so we, we're asking, Lord, as a church plant people, we want more stuff, Lord. We want more. We need more, Lord. Thank you for the measure you've given us. Thank you. Thank you. But now, tomorrow is another day, Lord. And therefore, we're asking, will you come and give us more? Will you come? With a, whether it's a bigger anointing or hearing you better or, or a new challenge or something supernatural? Father, I just read in Acts how the angel of the Lord um, came and spoke. The angel of the Lord came and sat on the bed. The angel of the Lord came. And we want, Lord, for you to come and visit us in our rooms and give us things to do. Go and find Simon Peter in Joppa at, at Simon the Tanner. Go and... And they did. Cornelius, off he went, sent people... And, uh, and Peter's up, and you speak to Peter, Lord, and then he comes down and he says, I'm the one you're looking for. And Lord, we, that's us. We, want, we would love some supernatural instruction like that, Lord. Yeah. I just believe that there's someone here that, that is a dreamer, and God has spoken prophetically, God has spoken dreams to you like Joseph. And I believe that you're in a moment where it feels like you're in prison, that you're in a place where you say, will somebody please tell God that I'm, I'm not in the right place? Or, or tell the king that I'm not where I should be. And I just feel like God just wants to come afresh to you, that where your, dream, where your current situation isn't lining up with the dream and the promises of God. I just believe that there's going to be a suddenly coming. That there was suddenly, after two years, suddenly the king remembered. Suddenly the, the servant remembered that there was this boy named Joseph, this man named Joseph in prison. And at that moment that where it looks as though that your current situation doesn't line up with the prophetic, God wants to give you hope that a suddenly is coming. And I just believe that God just comes like a word of the Lord a second time and just blows upon you. I just believe God's just moving upon your heart right now, just bringing hope. Just If you just want to respond to God, just lift up your hands if you feel like that's sort of my, God, that's my situation. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now, I thank you, God, Father, for the promises you've spoken, for the dreams you've given us. Father, Joseph was driven by a dream from you, God, that, that drove him through all the circumstances, being sold, being, being dumped into a hole, being, being uh, misunderstood, being misrepresented, being accused falsely. And I pray, God, that you would suddenly fulfill and put into place the fulfillment of that word. I just speak a suddenly, Lord, in Jesus. I just speak a suddenly to these situations, I pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yes, last night as Steph was speaking, I just felt God say, give me a word. It was comfort, comfort my people. Tell them their hard days are, or work is over. And it's, it was in getting line with him again. But there was a comfort needed. A comfort. And uh, I wanted to get up and just weep because of the, the feel in the place that comfort was needed. And so if you are one, 
you felt the war. The battle has raged against you. And, um, and you just want the comfort of God so that you can actually keep your mind on Jesus and listen to all that he's doing without the distraction of all the other stuff. I want you to put your hand on your heart. He wants to come with healing. And you know, that's just about all of us, quite honestly. Life is tough. Life is actually tough. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, will you come and bring great healing and comfort? Lord, thank you that it is our heart years are over because we've got you. Father, will you help us with all troubles and give us confidence again? In, uh, in who you are, Lord, and give us the ability to go again. To go again, listening to you and doing whatever you ask. And then, Lord, will you come through for us? Will you come through? Thank you, Jesus. Father, you said that may the God of all hope fill you with, may the God of all hope fill you with strength in Jesus' name. Just thank you right now, Father, for your hope being released in Jesus' name. Your comfort, Lord, giving comfort and strength in Jesus' name. We just thank you, Father, for this time we have together to keep working in this, keep working in your presence, have you keep working in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Now we're going to do something ridiculous because many of you are much more gifted in, with the prophetic than what we are. Well, that's how it is. We just get this opportunity. But we know that there are many people who are much more, much more, much more? <laughs> much more, much more, much more gifted. But we, we want uh, Ian also to come and Kevin and um, Andy Moyle and, and John. And if you want an impartation... We're just going to lay hands on you. You know, it's like walking past. We did this last year at the HERE conference in, in Norwich. And we ended and we just said, well, you know, we just us. But what we've got, we want to give away. So if you want, come walk past. Well, it took an hour because everybody came past. And you know, they don't remember all that much about the teaching of the day. They remember that people went home with something in them of, I could do this. Something changed. And so it's that that we, we want to offer. So if you want, you can walk past and we will kind of just lay hands on you. Not prophesy anything, but just give away. Is that okay? And as we're heading into lunch, we'll probably go right from there. Just the last thought is that if you've had, if you want to have some more understanding of the prophetic, the Keith's book, um, whose word is it anyways? If you haven't had a chance to pick it up yet, it's a great read. And actually, we just draw upon, we're just students of the, of, of, of the, of the master here in that area. So um, if you, you can pick it up for six euros over on the sites, nine euros on, on Amazon. So if you haven't read it, pick it up. And, but we'll... Uh, Yeah, just, just one quick thing. I just feel a word for us all, you know, just a, something I read on the train from Skibold to Dordrecht. I just read this in a book last night and I thought, wow, it just spoke to me. A man called James Butler Bonham died at the Battle of the Alamo. He died fighting for freedom. There is no known picture of James Butler Bonham. But his family put a picture of his nephew, Major James Bonham, 
because Major James Bonham, the nephew, had an uncanny resemblance to his uncle. And the family just put this. We have put this picture in this hall so that you may see the appearance of one who died for freedom. It's a great story, isn't it? Do you know, and I just believe God's just saying that to us as a group. He just says, you're my sons and daughters, and you're in the resemblance and the appearance and the service of the king.